I didn't even know she had sent it to her. I just got a phone call. And usually when I get a phone call from Joan, it means there's a deal. She doesn't call me for any other reason. So she's calling me on my phone and I'm like, oh, that's Joan. I wonder what's up. I didn't think it was a deal because I didn't think it had been sent out. So it was very surprising. Welcome to another You Make a Tribute of Verse. Team Versi is Brenda Jenneret, author and outdoors mom, John Seymour, editor, author, illustrator, and data guy, and me, Josh Munkin, science communicator, dad, and author who's feeling a little starstruck at the moment. My gosh, what a pleasure and an honor. Many of us pursuing children's literature as a hobby or a profession have inciting incidents that awakened our passions and interests. And many of us have becoming parents as part of that process. It's certainly true for me, and I'm really earnestly excited that today's guest is Tara Lazar, who is among those who sparked that passion in me in particular. From the Monstor to 789, both of which we talk about in our conversation today, following Tara's work throughout the last decade has been a humbling but inspirational process that continues to fuel my desire to write funny, quirky books that play with words and concepts. And hey, that brings us to today. We are on the absolute verge of the publication of Tara's latest book, Flat Cat. We are going to go in-depth about how this book came to be, and it's as hilarious and surprising as one could hope for. We are pretty fluffed up to share Tara's verse, but first, this ad goes out to all of you who are like me or on perhaps less social media these days, or maybe even the same social media, but spread across a more diverse landscape. We're happy to update you on some Kidlit Hive updates. Justin has recently adjusted the cost of his already low-cost webinars from $19.99 to $14.99 to make them even more accessible and affordable for our Kidlit community. Check out everything that's coming, including Verse Show Buddy and recent guest Pat Zietlow Miller's upcoming webinar on October 5th, alongside author illustrator Lita Judge. Their session titled Think Like an Author, Think Like an Illustrator will take two different paths to get to the same creative destination. I'm really excited about this one, not least because Brenda and I just talked to Pat and want to hear more of her wisdom. Also, don't forget Josh Funk's webinar titled Fracturing Fairy Tales and Put them, Putting Them Back Together Again occur, occurs, occurs on October 19th. Grab your registrations for these as well as Justin's multi-week classes at kidlithive.com. And don't forget, coming up within the next couple of weeks is the Karen Boss-led multi-week class from idea to publication, which starts on October 4th. Check it out today. Now, here is Tara Lazar's verse. So I just, you know, we had a good rapport. So I said, okay. Yeah. And I let's, just jumped yeah, right, in. Let's jump in. Totally. That's, so that's how I started with my agent also. I was like, well, I don't, yeah, there's no, he was brand new, no real record of, you know, what was happening. But I, you know, I liked him and I felt like our editing um, styles were similar and it was, I could, you know, I could work with him sort of like back and forth, like, let's work on this part and you give me this, I'll give you that, whatever. And so that felt good. And I was like, yeah, okay, let's, let's jump in and do this. And I guess, yeah, you just, you never, you just never know. Yeah. So I jumped in and I'm still with her. So it's been, um, 13 years. My gosh. And you guys have sold, I mean, so many books. We have, but you know, lately it's been 
very challenging. The picture book market has changed and uh, it's just, it's been very, very challenging ever since 2020. Yeah. So I'm going to pull back. Oh, you sound really good. Do you have a nice mic or something? You you sound, (laughs) wow. Why, thank you, Tara. Very smooth. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Brenna and I both have the same, oh, let's see if I can see it, the same podcast microphone, and I'm I'm stunned that I actually sound good because for the listening audience, I am set up in my The Dog Needs Attention uh, set up today, complete with... (laughs) Uh, for you to see my laser pointer so that I can send him skittering across the floor. <laughs> I have a cat. I understand So that, that. he doesn't bother me. Yes, this is the life of a, a puppy dad. But I was going to say, I mean, in terms of jumping in, you will have seen that I pushed record and we're capturing some of this some of this gold. But um, you you were both uh, in the middle of talking about T- Terry, your, your agent. Let's name drop her just for, um, I guess, for the listening audience so we're aware. Amy Joan Paquette. Right. Amy Joan Paquette. Oh, who and is uh, our friend Gerald Connors' uh, yeah, yes. agent as well. Yeah, and also Pat Miller, who is coming on mm-hmm. next week. So we're excited to talk to her, too. And she actually is local to me. She lives in my yes. in my area. She's in the, the Madison area. Yeah. So I keep hoping to run into her, actually, because she's done several talks, like, right at my library, even. And I, nice. like, I you know, I just wasn't able to go we got sick and then there was a thing anyways so i'm really excited to talk with her too so it should be good we're covering amy jones whole yes whole <laughs> how so how have things evolved with her over the past 13 years i mean you were you were talking about the fact that she is she she was 13 years ago relatively new mm-hmm. i mean compare then and now in terms of i guess your interactions with her and then we'll I, we can talk about the market as well, um, which is she's a markedly lot, changed. She's a lot busier. Sure. <laughs> Natch. <laughs> she doesn't have as much time for me as she had in the past. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it used to be that I could send her an email and I'd get an email back within a couple of minutes. Um, and now I just have to wait like everybody else. Well, she also, I saw recently, she also just had a three-book deal announced herself because she is agented by Erin Murphy. Murphy. Yeah, and she just, I just saw that announcement like maybe last week or something. So that's super exciting. So she's she's also busy with her own career and then this huge list of like amazing clients doing all of this. Yeah, you know, I don't know when work. she sleeps. Right. I'm I'm yes. confused. I I don't know <laughs> how it's possible. She's like super Here's here's a corporate Yeah. Yeah, here's a corporate trick that I've learned. You just work very quickly and then when you hit email uh, hit send on the email, hit schedule send. And then set it for like 11 p.m. so they look like uh, it looks like you're busy just constantly. <laughs> That's my that's that my pro tip from Josh, who never talks about hope his day job. None of on my the show. <laughs> he never hope talks none of my colleagues are listening. <laughs> right. <laughs> what is uh, what? So, what's uh, Amy Jones um, sort of cl- client stable wrangling ethos? Is there a tega- like we've talked about? 
Um, you know, Gerald is now agented by Amy Joan, who's obviously a good friend of the pod. Um, Pat is as well. I mean, is there is there interaction among all of you? There used to be more because we had an annual retreat that was just oh. for Erin Murphy clients. And oh, um, very cool. so that was really fun. You know, one year, I think, did I only attend one year? I only attended one year. And we went to um, an old hotel in Vermont. And Ooh, cool. Yeah, it was haunted. And <laughs> did anyone write a book about this hotel? That sounds like a perfect, like, perfect setting. I don't think anybody did, but it was like crazy because people were like, did you hear the cat last night? I heard a cat meowing and then I opened my door and there was no one there. <laughs> and then I was in my bedroom reading a book and I had been in the bedroom for at least an hour and all of a sudden my shade went and I'm like, oh, oh my God, what was that? <laughs> It's this very old hotel. That, it looked like the hallways looked like the hallways from The Shining. Oh my yeah. gosh! Um, Minus all the blood. Creepy. Yes, but I would like to posit that uh, Pat was controlling your shades, and you were standing outside everyone's doors making cat noises. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mutual haunting situation. <laughs> Everyone had the same practical joke idea. They were just running around the halls. Yeah. But we had that. that sounds and like there was a authors. lot of camaraderie and we were able to meet other authors and it was really exciting. Um but uh it 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 became too unwieldy to organize because it was it became so large. So they haven't done it in a couple of years, so we have not had that same um, retreat for a while. Yeah. Um, I always wanted it to come back to the East. And it would be all over the country, too, because everybody's spread out. And yeah. uh, I I was always like, East Coast, East Coast. <laughs> yeah, right. Come to New Jersey. You don't have to fill up your own gas. Yes. Come on. <laughs> we were talking about that earlier. New Jersey yeah. girls don't have to pump gas. It is great. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Never get out of the car. It's fantastic. They also, they don't get their permits bef until they're 17. Did you know that, No, Josh? no, no. Permitted 16. I, have, I knew that about the pumping, but not the... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. License at 17. Junior license. Good. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Just Thanks. in case you Thanks for adding. <laughs> Are you are you uh, are you a New, New Jersey native? You're an East Coaster, born and raised. Yep. Never left. Yeah. yeah. Even went to college here. Nice. Never left. You know, it's got everything. You know, you're an hour to the beach. You're an hour to New York City. You're an hour to the mountains. What more could you want? Oh, it's true. You're right, right in the middle. This episode sponsored by <laughs> New the New Jersey Board of Tourism. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's talk about Flat Cat, Tara, because it looks, it just looks so fun and it is very, very Tara Lazar. I mean, that's like right on brand for you. When I saw it come out, I was like, oh my gosh, of course, of course. Like, that's such a smart idea. So where did that idea come from? 
I have no idea where that idea came from. I really uh, the a hotel in Vermont. Yeah, I think. exactly. Right. Um, I tend to think of ideas as titles, and mm. um, so I'm always trying to come up with a really good title, like seven, eight, nine. That was totally, you know, title uh, oriented. Um, the monster title oriented. It, titles came first. Um, bloop title did not come first. The title was The <laughs> Alien in the Doghouse. And that was Nick's. Oh. Yeah. A bit more on the nose. It, right. Bad title. Um, but anyway, so I just go about writing down titles. And so. <clears throat> oh, I need something to drink. Excuse me. Hold on. <laughs> This is oh, there's a little water. I don't know how long it's been here. <laughs> <laughs> really rolling the dice here. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I think this was early in the pandemic, and I just didn't know what to do with myself, and so I sent Joan, uh, and that's the name she goes by. She goes by Joan. And um, okay. uh, my agent, I sent her a list of titles, I think four or five. And I said, which one should I write next? And one of the titles was Flat Cat. And she said, oh, Flat Cat sounds fun. And I'm like, okay. And so I <laughs> Let's wrote it. Do it. <laughs> and I, I had to, you know, I had to start out because I'm like, well, why is this cat flat? And... It's a children's book, so he couldn't be, like, run over by a car or anything like that, you know? So Right. Nothing too violent. Nothing violent. He was just born flat. And that's how I started. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love the fact that you... So, first of all, okay, I've seen you talk about your titles and how you come up with them before. I think maybe through 12 by 12, mm -hmm. um, semi-recently, I saw you do a talk. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, first of all, that is an amazing place to start because yeah, seven, eight, nine. I mean, yeah, let's unpack that and like, you know, see like, like, how do we get there? And that, that series is so fun and so clever. I love that one. Thank you. It's just, and I feel like, yeah, and I feel like it just, um, there are like so many avenues to explore with it. Like it's so much like characterizing those numbers and then the letters and the whole detective thing and just, anyways, so I love that. And then Flat Cat, you just, I mean, it, it just set, being able to send titles like that to your agent and being like, okay, yeah, I guess I'll just, I'll work on this one. Like, okay. And then, I mean, and now to hear that snippet and now like I just saw, you know, like, the preview for flat cut for flat cat and the the preview of the cover and all the stuff like it's it's a thing now like it's not just it's not just you know an email idea to your agent like it's actually happening it's so it's actually I mean, happening cool. and the sale yeah. happened quite <laughs> surprisingly because i don't think she had actually sent it out to anyone yet and she oh. ta she talked with margaret and I gotta gotta remember how to say your last name. It's like Onassis. Anastas. Like I gotta oh, you know oh, that's a tricky one. Anastas. Anastas. I think yeah. I was calling yes. her Anastas and, and, and like somebody corrected <laughs> me and I'm like, Oh I didn't know I was saying it wrong. 
but don't, um don't endanger, endanger my deal <laughs> yeah and and said oh i've got something from tara lazar and sent it to her and bam that was it oh, i wow. didn't even know she had sent it to her i just got a phone call and usually when i get a phone call from joan it means there's a deal she yeah. doesn't call me for any other reason so she's calling me on my phone and i'm like oh that's joan i wonder what's up i didn't think it was yeah. a deal because i didn't think it had been sent out so it was very <laughs> surprising it was nice nice surprise yeah <laughs> to be clear to be clear, not all deals happen no, that no, way. No, no, <laughs> That's That was an aberration <laughs> in the best way possible. So I do want to point this out, though, because so as someone who, I mean, I have been writing for a couple of years, but I'm still like pretty new to the publishing business and all of the stuff and how that happens. And so I'm learning more and more about how agents sort of work and how they network and how they build these relationships with publishers and editors and they sort of know what people are looking for. And I recently have found out about or been exposed to I guess a term called like a soft pitch right so agents have these relationships with editors and maybe they're just having a conversation and they casually you know drop in like oh I have this thing yeah from Tara Lazar that you might be interested in because what from my understanding is that if you can do it like that you sort of save yourself that pitch in case that publishing house is a you know yes or no to every editor at that house, right? Because if you submit to one and that uh, that one editor that you picked and rolled the dice on is not interested, then you can say goodbye to that whole house. But if you soft pitch, right? <laughs> but if you soft pitch, then it's sort of like there was never any real pitch. And so if they're not interested, you sort of know that before you move on to somebody else. And it's like a loophole, which is something that I was not aware of. So I just, it's awesome that, she was able to make a deal that way and just sort of like, you know, take all of the, all of the formality and the tension and like the craziness out of it. Just wiggled our way in. I know. <laughs> just, I mean, the Tara Lazar name is a pretty big deal. So she just dropped that in and they were like, yes, we want that. So I don't know <laughs> not what to happened, understate. <laughs> I don't know. I just, just don't just question it. Got, <laughs> got a deal. That was great. I don't know why I launched into a southern accent, but here I am. <laughs> because in the South, that's how deals are made. Exactly. At the right. fence post, at the at the fence gate between two two partners. Um, you've gone far astray. Was there a lot of negotiation? Is there a lot of negotiation for a deal like that? Where it's sort of like it's relationship based and and you know presumably Margaret says yeah I've floated this up and yeah I think I think we could go for this I don't know there was a note that Margaret wrote to Joan and Joan sent it to me and I said okay what am I supposed to say what am I gonna say no <laughs> you're like I can't I mean, pronounce her I name so. yeah. yeah move on <laughs> yeah I gotta yeah yeah. I'm never going to get it right. This won't work. I always have to say Jacqueline Onassis, and then I can say Anastas. You know. You, you, lock, you lock in. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. when I guess let's explore that. I mean, when, when you've got a deal like that, what does that come with? You said a note to Joan and a note to mm -hmm. you that you agree to. Does that come agree with? Agree to the initial terms. That's a bigger question, too. 
Yeah, initial terms, but then also like an editorial note. Here's what you need to do to make this make this work. Um, no, that that comes later. Generally, you know, mm-hmm. um, the editorial notes come after the deal has been signed, and then you know you work on the editorial side. You know, there's usually two passes, sometimes three. And, you know, you get her done. There comes the southern accent again. I don't know. Oh, and I snorted, Flat, too. flat cat goes oh, to the south. <laughs> I love a good snort. I, I'm a snorter myself, Tara, so I appreciate that. Oh, gosh. How- how close, well then, how, how close, I'm, I'm digging into the editorial side of this, how close is the final product to what you, you know, the original story that you broke based on that first interaction with Joan? Oh, pretty close. You know, it's just minor details that are kind of, oh, we got to pump it up a little in this section, or we got to cut it down a little in this section. Um, yeah, it's not a sea change it's not changing the entire Mm -hmm. story there's not oh we need a different resolution i mean if it was that much then the answer would have been no Mm. and i wouldn't have sold it so it's typically pretty close um uh tweaking of some wording you know um flat cat starts and stays flat no, yeah, it's a, it's I mean, a cut he, and dry he's, you know, <laughs> he's still a flat cat. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I know you said, you know, the market has changed since the pandemic, which I mean, yeah, so much has changed, right? But so if, like particular in particular from your point of view, like how how has it changed so that it feels like cuz I I get the impression that it feels more difficult to get things into the right hands and to sell them so is it because publishers are just that much busier or are they looking for different things or what like what is it that has changed the most do you think well I think a few things change um we had Barnes and Noble change from a model of nationwide model. They're trying to get more indie focused. So um, that was one change. Then on the buying side, I think, you know, we saw numbers of book sales go up during the pandemic and like, oh, everyone's at home and they're reading and that's great. So I think there was some overbuying of of stories and there was um god there was a lot of stories that got pushed off you know because of supply chain issues and then so we've got kind of like a bottleneck and um with all the buying and then the bottleneck i think there's there's just a glut of stories and there's just so many um and then there was also a change in, okay, we're going to write, we're going to buy feel-good stories because the pandemic was hard. Yeah. It's still right. hard. Um, and <laughs> so there was a lot of um, 
kindness and empathy and love and understanding and those kinds of books, which are great, um, except I don't write those. Uh, <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Tara. Same thing. I'm like, those are great. Yeah. But I'm like, I just, that's not my, that's not what that's, I write. That's not my thing. And then there was also, um, an increase in multicultural books, which is also great and also needed. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm a white chick from New Jersey, so I don't write <laughs> those either. So, right. um, I feel that I, I, I think that kind of the humor, the, 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 oh, and I'm, I've, I wrote a book about words and yet I can't find the word I want to <laughs> use right now. That's absurd. You I left know. it all on the field, Tara. <laughs> um, so humor just kind of like nobody was really looking for it or if they were looking for it, it was, it was dominated by the bad seed books you know (laughs) and just which you know so so it's been very hard and I I think I've heard a lot of talk of oh we want humor we want laughter we want you know good things to come back but I'm not necessarily seeing that in the rate of my books being purchased so um maybe I'm just writing the wrong kind of humor. So, you know, it's, it's just temporary glitch in the matrix. um... (laughs) I mean, do you, do you all talk about, uh, and you all can refer to whatever way this makes sense, but do you all talk about you and Joan or you and, you know, other, other peers talk about there being some sort of course correction? like looking forward to the market leveling off once some of this pandemic stuff sort of works its way through the system, so to speak, so that we end up with, you know, now that we've not, now we've got normal levels, you know, in 24 and beyond of what, a not pandemic reflective humor and not things that, you know, need to be reactions to everybody staying at home, that sort of thing. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Josh. You made Tara Lazar cry. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like waiting it out right now. It's like I'm I'm lucky yeah. in that I have a uh, Flag Cat, which was a two book deal, and I also have Party Animals with Disney, which is a two book deal that isn't Very coming wonderful. out until the first one isn't coming out till 2025. So, um, I have, have, have those been, they, they've been announced, but okay. you know, uh, announced a while ago. I can't even remember oh, anymore. I, you know, I've never, I haven't heard of party animals that, I mean, I'm excited about that. Who was the editor on that one? Um, that is Sylvie Frank at Disney. That's who I was going to guess. Okay. I was going to say, I bet that's Sylvie Frank, but not like I know her, but hi, Sylvie, in case you're, in case you're listening. In case you're listening. I, I know a lot show, about you. Sylvie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have four books that will be coming out. So I shouldn't be complaining is, is the... The takeaway the here. The takeaway here is I, I, Tara Lazar, do not complain because you have four books under contract. 
Um, so that's, that's what I'm going with right now because I don't want to sound like a jerk. <laughs> Tara Lazar is not a jerk. That, that's what we'll call the podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's an acknowledgement though, that, that what's behind those four book contracts is a maelstrom of chaos and you must have so much that's been that's been written or that you've worked with Joan on that has just not has not made it there I mean there's it's a the four books is a the tip of the tip of the Terra iceberg I presume it is and you know I haven't written a heck of a lot of new stuff because I'm just waiting for some of the older stuff to sell um I've rewritten some things, but I haven't really gotten on the new train yet. Like, I'm still recovering <laughs> from the pandemic. Um, yeah. Yeah, literally, because I I had a virus and I was sick for all the, almost the entire month of June. Um, oh, my gosh. And so <clears throat> I am just now coming uh, out of a very groggy state. I was yeah. just for an really, entire month. Really that's debilitating. Yeah. yeah. So I acknowledging I this being to... July seventh, so that's pretty fresh. Yeah, it's still pretty fresh. In fact, I'm going to the doctor after this to get a checkup, and he's going to say how you've been oh feeling, and I'm going to say terrible. <laughs> I wanted to circle back real quick to the thing that you said about humor, and. That, yeah, I that was my thought, too, with the pandemic, because Josh and I both tend to write humorous, sort of quirky, weird stuff. And my intent with my writing is, <clears throat> excuse me, to, yeah, to make people laugh and to, you know, add some levity to things that are really heavy, right? And so my thought was, yeah, okay, great. This is like, this is my time to shine. Like, these humor books are going to do really well. However, like you said, it that is not the case that I'm seeing. And I always circle back to what Betsy Bird says about humor just being so subjective. And it's not something that I, I feel like I inherently knew that, but it's not something that I've, you know, explored out loud or talked at length about until I became a picture book writer, because it is so subjective. Like, I think I'm funny, but you know, not everybody else does. And not only that, getting my humor to transfer to the page is, you know, like that's hard anyways, getting any story to transfer to the page the way that you want it. But then humor on top of it, getting things to land where you want them, getting the illustration notes just right. Like all of that coming together is like such a tightrope walk. So even if it does get out, having the right audience find the right humorous book is like really threading that needle. So I think the pandemic just really made that trickier. So it's like I find myself having to add like more layers, more hooks, more things to sort of like get the humor into the right hands. And it would not be the hands of my own children. They Oh, they don't like humorous they, stuff? Well, they don't think I'm funny. <laughs> Well, no kids think their parents are funny. I have found that to be true. <laughs> My books are terrible in their eyes. So, you know, who buys these things? Oh, my God. 
Oh yeah. my gosh. Tara, how do you continue writing after such scathing reviews from your own, in your own house? I got nothing else like, to do. I'd be like, get out of here. I, this is all I'm doing. So like, I got nothing else I can do. So I got to just keep going. I like I like the visual of you just sliding your two book Disney contract in front of your kids and going, "Look, right. look, Disney thinks I'm funny." I know, and and right. seven eight nine. Even if you don't, was originally Disney. I was so thrilled when that happened. I was like, "Oh my god, look at my name!" Like like you go to the title page of the book, and it and there's your name, and then underneath it it says Disney in those Disney letters, and right. I'm like, And, you know, we went to, um, I think the year it came out or the year before it came out, we went to Disneyland in Florida or is it Disney World in Florida? I can never remember which one. I never remember. Anyway. Same. I don't know. It's World in Florida. Okay. So we went to Disney World in Florida. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could get any perks. I'm a Disney author. No. No perks. No perks. No. (laughs) They didn't know who you were like, no. at the front desk at the gate. No. Nobody. No. No. Perks. I would think the same thing. I'd be like, I'm Brenna Jennerette. Here's my ID. Check it. Check it. Like in Wayne's World when they're like VIP, VIP. Yeah. <laughs> That's what That's I That's nice. Do. I'm still going to dig around in your purse the same way that I was. I was not else. worthy, <laughs> yeah, let's right. say. Yeah. I was not worthy. <laughs> no. It was no. No perks whatsoever. Not oh, even like man. a free Mai Tai. I mean, come on. Yeah, right? Hello? I was staying at the Polynesian. Where's my Mai Tai? <laughs> you said it was, 789 was originally Disney? It was originally Disney. I don't have that Disney. internalized. Did it not? Disney yeah. then, um, right before the pandemic, which was great timing, they sold a lot of backlist titles to Little Brown. And mine was one of them. Oh, So okay. it's now a Little Brown book. And the third book in this series, yeah, I did with the editor at Little Little Brown. So, um, yeah, that was an interesting switcheroo. Uh, yeah. That seems like a maybe not a unique switcheroo, but one that we haven't really explored before, where intellectual property rights get transferred from one house to another. Is it because you characterize this as a series? of books that they should all be owned by little brown or it, it, well the that? series I mean, all got would have been yours passed and over like the entire series got mm-hmm. passed over but what was happening is that disney wanted to offload some um backlist titles and little brown wanted to build its backlist catalog so that's where mm-hmm. they had you know lots of things in common and you know they swapped yeah. some and- stock And this is, this isn't like a, we hear things going out of print. This is like a, a, we still believe that there's a market for these books because there are more of them coming out. We're not just going to let it go, you know, out of print. We're going to sell the rights so that Little Brown can keep, keep on doing printings. Keep keep on um, keeping on. So it was a good deal for Little Brown because during the pandemic, um, backlist was king. You know, people wanted those books that they had heard of because there was no more discovery happening. People weren't walking into bookstores. 
and discovering new titles. So Backlist was really king. It was a good thing for Little Brown. Disney wanted to kind of focus on main properties. And I think since my next series got picked up by Disney, I don't know what happened. I mean, I don't know what strategy <laughs> changed or whatever, but, you know, they signed me again. So, I mean, their fault for signing me again. I don't know. <laughs> Did you slip into the contract this time about like free perks when you go to Disney World? I feel like I would have added that in. I would have been like, Joan, can you please just add in like like one free Mai Tai? I mean, that's not asking a lot. Mai Tai or a a bowl of only blue M&M's. I should really say the pineapple whip, which is the the, the pineapple vanilla cone, soft serve cone. That they oh, had it. You the... didn't even want a Mai Tai. No, cone. the cone, the vanilla pineapple cone. It was like a pineapple wow. creamsicle. That sounds delicious. It was have really you, good. You have not had Dole Whip before, Brenna? Yeah, no. Dole Whip. Yeah, that's what it's called. Dole Whip. Yeah. Oh, good. We, okay, so stuff. shout out to my. Yeah, wow. shout out to my kids. We have uh, we've made a version of it at home using our blender oh. with frozen pineapple. Here, here's a recipe for the audience: oh frozen my. pineapple, <laughs> vanilla ice cream, and some other stuff. I'm it's, it's some other stuff. Me that, <laughs> Good luck. Some audience. other stuff. It's not like a co- like coconut water, I think, but it's not usually me that makes it. But we've we started calling it Dizwiz oh. um, in our house. The one that we make, you know, the homemade version. Amazing. So, shout out to my kids for making oh, Dizwiz. That's great. Oh, send some <laughs> my way. But yeah, right. I would like some free dole whip. I don't know if it would make it. Yes. <laughs> forget about the I mai tai. Yeah. That forget forget I even said right. that. Dole forget whip. about the advance, whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. Can we go back and I edit think, the yeah. earlier portion and just put in dole whip? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let Sylvie Frank know. Be like, look, could we just amend this a little bit? Like, I just want just the one. Right. I don't even. My family screw them. Like, they don't even need it. They, they don't, don't care about it. my books. They get none. I just want one for me. Like, that's it. Exactly. It's really helpful for me as the person who does the uh, does the posting for the podcast on Instagram to know now that I can just I can when this goes live I can just put a picture of a Dole Whip. Dole Whip, uh, as representative yeah. art for our episode. <laughs> hey, everybody! Quick break in the conversation to do our traditional reviews, recommendations, and one magical lyrical rhyming shout out. Uh, John's review this week is for The Smart Cookie by Jory John and Pete Oswald. And yes, that's the Pete Oswald who also illustrates Tara's flat cat. Uh, The Smart Cookie is a very clever and heartwarming tale that can help teach young readers the sweet truth about intelligence and uniqueness. In a world of brilliant roles and clever cupcakes, the story's MC, i.e. main cookie, learns to discover her own unique smartness, try new things, and embrace her individual talents. Ten chocolate chip cookies out of ten. And also, Brenna's had some stuff going on lately. Uh, Brenna and her family moved across the Midwest from Wisconsin to Colorado this week. And the first thing they did was get library cards, which I'm very proud of. Um, And she says, obviously, that's what they did first. In an impulse grab, Brenna pulled Goldilocks and the Three Knocks by Gregory Barrington from the shelf. The Goldilocks story has been done, of course, many different ways, but Brenna's always intrigued by a new take, and boy, did this one deliver. It's the prequel to the original Goldilocks, and it's told in such a clever and complete way, you wonder how no one has ever told it this way before. Do not miss out on this one. 
And as a hilarious bonus, make sure to check Baby Bear's intense eyebrows. It's uh, the Generette family favorite part. And then she ends with a smiley face, which is hard for me to verbalize. <laughs> for my review, I mentioned this in the upfront episode introduction, but there are certain authors whose work has been kind of seminal or really important to my interest in pursuing kid lit. Tara is one of them, of course, but also Tom Lichtenheld is another, beginning when my oldest was a baby with his book Claudette, which was first published in 2011. I'm here to recommend the simple and more recently published work of Tom's called Lewis, or Louis, but since I live in St. Louis, we're going to call him Lewis. Uh, this tale is about a teddy bear named Lewis who thinks he's got it bad and wants out. This story, though, is about the ways we look at the world and our outlook. Um, what do you keep close to your heart and top of your mind? Is it being dragged literally through the mud, or is it the warm hug that comes after getting clean? Sour Grapes protagonists are fun to read about, and the emotional payoff as Lewis turns the corner on his outlook really works. Our shout-out this week is to all the at-words. We are having a bit of an at-word renaissance. Recently, we heard the incredible performance of our buddy Audrey Perot's Flat Rat, followed this season by Tara's Flat Cat. And coming up in February will be Amy Dykeman's, uh, and actually catch Amy's uh, episode from a couple of months ago if you have not listened to that yet, because it's amazing and we talk a lot about this book. Amy Dykeman's Three and a Half Stories, embodied in the first in the Bat, Cat, and Rat series, uh, of which, or for in, in within which, there is no flatness to my knowledge. <laughs> so while I'm figuring out which of my main characters to name Matt or Pat, please head on over to our link tree if you'd like to shout out friends, family, achievements, or would just like to support your favorite rhyming word or the podcast in general as we keep the audio lights on. Now back to Tara's verse. Um, We've gone far Tara, afield we, here. <laughs> we have. We have. I want to talk. Can we talk about the two book deal? So both of those, you got one for Flat Cat and then the other one was for, um, what was the other one? Uh, Party Animals. Party Animals. Party animals, yes, thank you. So how does that how does that work? Because so I've heard in the past, like sometimes it's a two book deal and it's, you know, like flat cat and then like, you know, like another flat cat book. Or sometimes it's flat cat and then it's like another unnamed title and you know, whatever it is like you guys agree upon. Mm -hmm. So how did that work with those two? It was you know, I've never had a two book deal right out of the gate. Seven, eight, nine oh, okay. was not a multi-book deal to begin with. It was just the one book. And okay. then it did well. So I said to Joan one day, I said, should, should I write a sequel? And she's like, why not? And so I said, okay, the uppercase. Like that title has been working its way through my brain. The uppercase. And so yes. she said, okay. So I wrote the upper case and submitted that, and then they contracted the upper case plus one more. So then it became a three-book deal. But it didn't oh. become a three-book deal until the second I wrote the second book. Interesting. Now, right okay. out of the gate, Flat Cat and Party Animals were two-book deals. They said, okay, we want Flat Cat. And we want flat cat number two. And that was the contract. And same thing with party okay. animals. We want party animals one and we want a party animals two. And that was part of the contract. 
And so okay. that just came. I don't know. I don't know how it came. It just, you know, they have a vision for wanting to make it a series and it just came. But those are the two that came like right out, right out of the gate. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't have to do anything. Boom. (laughs) Here's two books. I'm like, ideal situation. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's speculation here with, with no answers. Things that I'm sure people listening to this might be curious about. Is that a matter of, Tara Lazar being Tara Lazar. You know what you, you can get. You know you can get some like commercial commercial level funny. Or For the is audience it a listening, of, she's know, shrugging her shoulders like I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not only shrugging like, my shoulders, but I'm now lying down because I'm just she's I'm lying down, so yes. tired from from being sick for so long. Um but uh I like I don't know that there's a Tara Lazar name out there because maybe because I am Tara Lazar. And so I don't sense that at all. Um, Hmm. I guess there is some level of, well, she has a record. We know she's not going to be a flake and just, you know, wimp out on us and not deliver a second book. Although it was, you know, writing Flat Cat 2 was really hard. I was going to ask, yeah, did you have... Because I feel like if you write a one-off book, like if you don't write it with a series in mind, mm-hmm. and then they're like, oh, we like this, let's have another one. You're like, uh, I put all my ideas in the first one. So, like, I, <laughs> I don't know what to do here. Well, your options did are clearly either Flatter like... Cat or... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Flatter Cat. In did fact, when I sent brainstorm? it to them... That's what that's what the subject line of the email was, flatter cat. But it was, but awesome. that's not what the book is about. But <laughs> no, we had a conversation, and they kind of like dictated like what it should be about, and that's helpful. Yeah, it was helpful to a certain extent. It's really hard. When someone else has the idea and wants you to write it, as opposed to the idea coming from your own brain. True. So So you, there was a lot of thinking about this. I mean, I've always said that writing a picture book is 99% thinking and 1% writing. But in this Mm. case, it was, it was 142% thinking. (laughs) And... And maybe there was a little writing. I I don't know, but it was a, it was a long time thinking about it and trying to come up with something, and um, it just it was torturous. It was just really really hard, more, harder than I thought it would be. Um, mm. But I recently finished it. <laughs> you know, we went back and forth. You know, I, I'd give them something and then they'd say, oh, okay, here's our editorial notes. And then I really prefer to talk through editorial notes. So we'd get on, you know, a conference call and we'd talk it through. And then I'd be like, okay, now I understand. And I'd go and I'd mm-hmm. do it. I think we had like three uh, iterations that we went through. Um, and just, it was like, I'm I'm talking like, just earlier this month it was it was accepted so earlier this month means last week um 
<laughs> not, yeah, right. We're already in July. Not that so. long ago. And, you know, I was writing through being, you know, really sick in June. Just June was just terrible. Um, oh, but I managed to do it. I guess there is a little, yeah, there's a little bit of, okay, we know Tara is Tara and she isn't a first time author and doesn't have a record. Like it's how I always say with chapter books, you know, debut author isn't necessarily going to get a chapter book series because, you know, there's typically five books in a chapter book series because so they take up a lot of space on the shelf. And, you know, that debut author is unproven. You don't know if they're really going to be able to deliver the five books. So I guess there is a little bit of that, but I don't know. (laughs) I really don't know. I'm not really sure. There's something maybe that we can explore here that I've wanted to ask ask about since maybe minute 10 of this conversation, which is that this, this notion of you taking a list of titles and going to Joan and saying, which one should I write? And there's some, there's a, like an interesting dichotomy here between <clears throat> that um, ability to activate on an idea compared to uh, your ability to activate, or I guess the challenge in activating on an idea that comes from, you know, somewhere else. I I contrast your approach to flat cat, like writing flat cat. I'm sure it's not as cut and dry as you, as you, you made it seem, but um, for, for me, writing the ideas that I come up with happens, it happens when it happens. It's like, sometimes I'm not hungry for, the meal that's represented by this idea. Um, right. And I guess I'm, I'm trying to suss out uh, how, how that works for you or how you think about breaking stories and, and, and breaking into ideas in a, in a, in an actionable way. Well, I only gave her those titles that I was excited about, mm. you know, mm. that had a spark meals, of something right. in them that I could run with. Um, And, you know, because every day, almost every day, I get ideas, I write them down, I have, you know, I have them in my notes on my phone, my new phone. Look, oh, I've got the flat cat on my phone. Oh, it's flat cat. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. (laughs) So um, I, I write down in my notes app, I write down the ideas, and so... When I sent her that email, you know, I went and I picked out four or five titles that, you know, had a spark of something in them for me. So I knew I would be able to write something because they excited me, Um, as opposed to titles that, you know, like I didn't, you know, like Lammies and Jammies. I mean, yeah, I like that title, but it sounds more like Sandra Boynton than me, you know? It totally does. Yes. You're totally Just right. Text it's, not, yeah. it's not really me. I don't think I could really run with it. Sandy, if you're out there, I give you this title with my blessing. Lammies <laughs> we'll and Jammies. We'll take her in the show. You know. Yes, so she can... <laughs> It's It's got to be nice, though. Like, I've talked at length uh, with my critique partners about this. You you put all of this like work and energy and just like time pouring into these manuscripts to make them perfect, you know, especially when you're starting out because you're trying to get the agent, you're trying to get the publisher, you're, you know, doing all the stuff. And a lot of them are just, you know, 
a, it's a numbers game at some point. A right. lot of them just aren't going to, you know, produce anything. It's just not going to happen. But you need to write them to, you know, get into the flow of how to actually write a picture book and whatever. But when you get to that point where you're like, okay, I know I can write this story, but I don't want to invest all of the time and energy it takes unless I know somebody is interested. So it, to to be able to have those ideas and send them to your agent and have her be like, yes, write this one. Like, I, I want to read that. I mean, that's got to feel like, that just feels nice. It's like, okay, yeah. well, I know that when I put all of this energy into it, there's someone at the other end who really wants to read it. Like, it's not going to be for nothing. Yeah, I I will often do that with Joan. I will come up with an idea for a story and just, you know, email her, you know, is this worth my time and effort? Yeah, And exactly. she will say, yes. Um, and usually the answer is yes. So I just... I I go for it, but it's nice to yeah. have that someone to bounce that idea off of and know that you're not writing something that is just going to sit and flounder for years like some of my other totally. stuff. Totally. You know. Yes. Like I've written no, totally. this stuff that she said, "Yeah, go ahead and write that." And it's just mm, nobody wants it. So Not not everything yeah. locks into a conversation with an editor, right? Well, yeah. I mean, this, uh, Brenna, your point makes me think of our conversation with our, our mutual buddy and everybody's buddy, Justin Cologne, where, you know, we, we reinforce that same point, which is all, all writing is worthy writing and all writing has value, even if it doesn't sell. Now, it's a different conversation if you're trying to make a living off of your writing, obviously. But I don't I make wonder, a living off of my writing. Um, <laughs> yeah. A lot I mean, of people are trying to. And that's a, that's a point to. worth getting into. But, um, you know, I knew a long time ago that it wasn't going to be easy to make a living just writing, which is why when I graduated college, I didn't automatically become a writer because I wanted to live. <laughs> I wanted to eat. Um, yeah. I wanted to have an apartment. Um so I got a job in publishing. Uh-huh. So I thought I'd learn oh, the business inside out. Except I yeah. got a job in professional technical reference computer books. It was just terrible. Oh, wow. oh it was terrible. That's um, a big title. <laughs> yeah, professional technical reference, PTR. That was the division I was in at Prentice Hall. These days, stuff that's like irrelevant to the market as soon as it's published, basically. Yeah, yeah it was just, it was Unix books and C++ books and, you know, oh, gosh. forget it. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom when I really began this in earnest because I knew, okay, now I have some time uh, I'm not worried about, you know, bringing home the bacon um, because my husband's doing that. I'm a stay-at-home mom. So anything that I do is kind of like, is bonus, it's icing on the cake. So that's how I've been functioning the past 13 years. It's just, you know, anything I bring home is kind of icing on the cake. And as I mentioned to Brenna before, I've got a kid in college now. So, you know, um, all that money goes to college now. Kids yeah, uh, kids in college right. eat a lot of icing. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> Especially when they go to college in New York City. Oh gosh, totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. I so Tara, I wanted to ask real quick. So you have so absurd words is out, which is amazing. Anybody Thank who you. is listening, check it out. Yeah. Um, but do you so besides absurd words, because you write mostly picture books, do you write any other do you write like chapter books, middle grade, YA? Have you done any of that stuff? Or are you mostly in that picture book genre? In the very beginning when I wanted to become a children's book writer, I thought I would be a novelist. I thought I would be the next Judy Bloom, right? Um, And then I figured out that there were a lot of words that you needed to put together in a (laughs) row. You know, resonating with our conversation, Tara. It just just seemed like there were so many words. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And when I was in college and studying writing, we we wrote short stories. That was mainly what we kept in line with. And so I was pretty good at writing short. Mm. And I actually wrote some uh, to get my um writing chops wet is that a saying no writing chops wet <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but but to like first dive in i wrote flash fiction for adults there was this site called six sentences and every oh. story on that website was six sentences long and I'm like hey I can do that and I did and they accepted some of my stories and it was my first acceptance for my writing and that really got me going and got me going on the short form so I just think picture books are kind of naturally within my realm and sure, should I be stretching that and, and writing longer works? Sure, I should. Have I? No. <laughs> yeah, but should you, though? I mean, there, there's a certain sort of credence to write. I mean, write, write <laughs> oh, what you know oh, in terms of. Me. Oh, bless you. Gesundheit. Um, Write, write the format that you know. Write what you're comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. But um, I mean, write, why force yourself into an area that's that doesn't doesn't feel natural to you unless it's an uh, an area that well, stretch you know, you're, yourself, you're exter- externally motivated. You always to. hear that. You always hear <laughs> sure. you know go 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 to where you're uncomfortable and stretch yourself and challenge yourself and grow and to, and I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're doing just fine with picture books. I don't think there's any, you know. I I really don't want to challenge myself at any additional, like, you know, I have MS and that is challenging enough physically. Yes, right. Just physically, emotionally, mentally, uh, that's challenging enough. I don't want to challenge myself anymore. I just want to stay yeah. real comfortable. So, you know. It's when everything else is relatively stable. I want to stay in my jammies. Yeah. Talking about lammies and right. jammies. I just want to like stay in my jammies. <laughs> and have a nice hot cup of tea and write picture books. Yes. I mean, 
yeah, that is totally fair. Our my critique partner and very good friend and Josh's friend also, Emily. Um, Emily Holy, shout out. She also has MS and she has five kids and she is like one of the most prolific authors I know and she's brilliant. But I just, yeah, like having that layer of just, you know, you just don't feel good most of the time. Like I, it's, yeah, it's a lot. So I, so yeah, I'm just I get staying one, with picture books. Drink tea. <laughs> yes, I'm just, I get that. <laughs> you know, maybe someday I will if I find something um, that is exciting enough for me. But it's it's a whole nother thing to learn and experiment with and and you know pull apart and put back together again and it just seems like a lot of work <laughs> yeah no that is fair it, it's so um <laughs> you know absurd words was not i mean i know it was a lot of work but it was fun work and um, I really enjoyed writing that, and it was something different, and it just was really exciting to me. So if something else like that comes along and it becomes a novel, a chapter book, a graphic novel, something else, yeah, great, I will do it. But right now, no. Yeah. No, I mean, that's like with everything else in writing, I think. If you're not excited, then, I mean, what is the point? Because it takes so much to get an idea from your brain exactly. onto the page and then into anybody else's hands. So, like, if you're not excited, then, I mean, just there's no... Don't don't pursue it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to give us a time check here. We're almost up to the hour, and I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, Tara. Oh, and you're welcome. If there, I mean, I just, I know you've been sick and you are tired and I just, we so appreciate your time because you're just, your books are incredible and thank we were you. so excited to have you on. So thank you. Thank you. Woohoo! Um, Woohoo! <laughs> if you're, Woo Tara, if, if your kids are not that excited about your work, I mentioned to my own that we were having this conversation today and they both got very excited. They, oh, that's they know good. About, I'm glad you know, way they're past excited. You know, yeah, my, they they know about way past bedtime and the monster and you know all the books yeah, that we talked about. Yeah, my sixteen-year-old so is, is you're a superstar. I mean, my kids, my my twenty-year-old is is a little bit more. Now that she's older, she realizes you know a little bit more about what I do and and what have you, and is excited about it. But the sixteen-year-old could care less. Uh-uh. Sixteen-year-olds can care less about most say, things. I find. Most things. I was gonna say it's just, they don't care about anything. No, they just care about themselves. So um, yes. I am not Tara Lazar at home. I'm just an annoying mother who needs help hey, doing you. almost everything because I'm not walking very well. And like I said, I've been sick for like a month. <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, we care about you, Tara, oh, and so you. does our audience. They are going to be so pleased to hear this episode because I just mm -hmm. I feel like it was we've covered so much gold here. So thank you again. Ah, you're very welcome. <laughs> Is there anything that we missed? I just want to make sure that we didn't miss anything. I don't okay. know. We've got Flat Cat coming out, Party oh, Animals. God, Party Everybody Animals for all of Tara's stuff. Well, Flat Cat too. I think She's Flat amazing. Cat. Two is actually coming out before Party Animals. I think we're doing Flat Cat One 
in September and Flat Cat 2 the following spring or summer or, you know, like, bada bing, bada boom, they're going to come out. (laughs) Bam, boom, they're going to slap you flat. I don't know. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) A meatball. Oh, boy. I don't know. (laughs) All right. All right. Thanks for listening this week. Find all of our episodes and other associated links and information at linktree.com slash verse show. Or reach out to us on Twitter. Thanks again, and we'll see you next verse. Bye.